And uh, please turn with me to the book of Amos. The minor prophet Amos. And uh, you'll find it between Daniel and Matthew. Among the minor prophets, it's after the book of Joel. I'll give you 20 minutes to find it. (laughs) Now the Lord has put it on my heart to share for the number of following Sundays the book of Amos. We are going to move in this study. Um, I had a little bit of a dispute with him because I really didn't want to do this book. It's a... um, It's a strong word of correction and rebuke to a nation. And, um, you know, when you're in a place of being down economically and down uh, spiritually in in our community, in our neck of the woods of the United States, Michigan and Detroit are, uh, you're really at the bottom of, of, the barrel, if you will, emotionally and with your strength and trying to continue on. And so to hear a a harsh word is a tough thing to do. And I have a heart of compassion for where we're at and what we're trying to achieve. But the Lord began to speak to me about the prophet Amos. And he began to speak into my heart that I'm not to be rebuking the people or rebuking the situation, but in fact calling forth the spirit of Amos among his people. And in fact, that's the posture that we're going to take. And I'm calling you, folks, to have the spirit of Amos, to be the prophet for this day and this hour, to have the word of the Lord in your mouth, and to be prepared as this prophet was, called out of a situation and to a people with a word. And that's what I believe God is saying to us. He's calling out a spirit of Amos, and he wants us to rise up in that spirit. And so what I want to do is give you some background right now on this man. And you'll see here in Amos chapter 1, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, what he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah, the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Now what that does for us is it puts us in a timeline, in a sequence. He identifies a particular earthquake in history, so we know, as well as the kings that were in position over Judah and Israel. So he gives us a good timeline to know when he began his ministry. This ministry began, as some of his contemporaries were Isaiah and Hosea. And someone that came just a little bit before him was a guy named Jonah. Hmm? Old fish breath, we call him. But anyways, he came a little earlier. And so you have Hosea and Isaiah prophesying to Israel and to to Judah. At this time, the kingdoms had split. If you'll remember, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the sons of Solomon, split over tax issues. And Jeroboam took the ten northern tribes and established a separate place of worship from Judah, apart from Mount Zion. And that is going on. Now we have Jeroboam II. This is further down the line from there. And we have Uzziah, a good king in Judah. And if you'll remember in Isaiah 6, Isaiah was brokenhearted when King Uzziah died. Do you remember that? 
pardon me, he said on the, in the year that King Uzziah died, he was, uh, saw God in his temple, right? Because he was mourning over the good king's death. Well, it's in this period that we see Amos. Now, interestingly enough, Amos is not your average prophet. In fact, in Amos 7.14, he says this, I am neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. You may have heard that saying now and then when people uh, you talk to and they say, well, is that a prophetic word? They go, well, look, it, I'm not a prophet and I'm not a son of a prophet, but I think yeah. <laughs> All right? So he didn't come from a prophetic school. He wasn't trained in the prophetic schools of Israel and Jerusalem. He was a shepherd and an agricultural man. He grew sycamore fig trees and he pastured sheep. Now he may have been the owner of the vineyard or the, the fig tree uh, plantation and over the flock, or he may have been the workman, we don't know. But what we do know is he was not trained in the prophetic schools. He was not appointed and anointed by men or a religious system. And that's what I wanna talk to you about. I believe God is calling his church and the shepherds and the vineyard people who are in the fields and who are among the flock to rise up in this hour and be the voice of the Lord. Amen. They need someone who has a heart for God and who is living in the trenches and may not have all the religious uh, clutter or garb that they're wearing, but they've got the word of God in their mouth. They know what thus saith the Lord. I believe God is raising his church in this hour to be an Amos prophet, a prophet among the people, a prophet who can walk and talk through the people. You see, he didn't have the regular circuit that the other prophets had. He didn't have the kingly decrees and the royal decrees of when a prophet could speak and if they wanted the prophet to speak or not. He was raised up by God and he went where God told him to go and he spoke what God told him to say. Sometimes we can be a little bit too politically correct in what we do and say in the church world. We have particular hierarchies in different denominations and so forth, and we're allowed to do this or do that. I believe God's raising up Amos folks who will stand on the street corners, who will be at the water cooler, who will talk among the people that they're with and begin a, tra begin a transformation in this United States, in the church, from the pew up. Yeah. Oh, that was a good statement. I need to <laughs> Man, that's you! That's us. That is us. That's what God's calling us to do. And... Uh, now, what is interesting is as Amos is prophesying this and declaring these words of the Lord to specifically Israel, but all the other nations, it is just some 40 years later when Israel will actually be destroyed by Assyrian armies coming in as God divorces Israel, hands her a bill of divorcement, and the 10 tribes of Israel are lost forever. This is a heavy word, brothers and sisters. And we stand potentially on the same kind of treatment for the United States of America. We may not know her as we have in the past, but she certainly uh, needs a rebuke from God Almighty. And we need an Amos. I like that, Renee. Is that a rebuke? 
Okay. Everybody go like this. Okay. But what I love about Amos is this. Who did God call to bring this rebuke forward? He called a shepherd. He called a shepherd. One who loves the flock. One who does not scatter, but gathers. One who goes after the one who's wandered and comes together. A shepherd's heart who cares for the people because he's among the people. He's a man who sweats by his brow to make a living. And he cares while he tends the vineyards. And he knows that you have to care for the vineyards and cause the canker worms to be dug up out of the soil and to care for the pruning so that you can have fruit that grows. God called a man. We might be able to easily rebuke, but he wants someone more than just a rebuker. He wants someone with a heart for the people. Someone with a heart for the nation. It's, It's easy to dig the church. It's easy to chastise this nation. But will you do it standing as one who loves it and who cries out with a heart of shepherding for the people of this land? Yes. And that's who God called in Amos, and that's who he's calling in us. Now I love what Amos says in Amos 3.8. Amos 3.8 says, The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, Who can but prophesy? Say it with me. The lion has roared. The lion has roared. Can I ask you a question? When you're a shepherd out with your sheep and you hear a lion's roar, what do you do? Huh? Do you remember King David who tended his sheep and before he could kill Goliath, what did he learn to kill? A lion and a bear, didn't he? Yeah, he heard a lion's roar. And I love the sense that Amos says, the lion has roared. And you'll see a reference to a lion throughout this book. And we know who the lion of Judah is. Brothers and sisters, we preach a message of grace. We preach salvation. We preach redemption. But it is a day and an hour where the judgment of God must be spoken of once again. Because the lion has roared and he is returning. He came as the lamb, but he's returning as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amos, we must hit the road. We must begin to speak as this shepherd prophet, as this agricultural prophet, and begin to grow fruit and prune and call the people. The roar of the lion is coming. The roar is coming. Who cannot but prophesy? Hey, this is a ripe season for prophecy, amen? Yeah, and so the word of God must be in our hearts, but you have to hear it. For the Lord has spoken, and so you must hear it. Prophecy is given for correction. Prophecy is given with the hope of repentance. I just told you that one of the prophets right before Amos was Jonah. And what happened with Jonah when he went to Nineveh? He saw some really great results, didn't he? He didn't like it. Jonah is a man of prejudice. He was a bigot. Did you know that? Jonah was a bigot. He hated the people of Nineveh. He despised them. He didn't want to go bring the message because he hated that culture and he hated those people so much, but he knew God was willing to forgive him and he didn't want to go. 
God gave me that message to preach in Kettlehung, South Africa, about three years ago. In the area of Kettlehung, which was the black uh, community that was isolated from the white community, and in that community, basically, they lived in lean-tos. They had corrugated metal about the size of a five-by-five square box with a lid that they kept rocks on so it wouldn't blow off. And the black community was so oppressed from apartheid and so broken. And here I am, a white guy, going into preaching to that. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And he wanted me to preach on Jonah, the bigoted, prejudiced prophet. I said, could I have a second pick? (laughs) What's this white guy going to do speaking into a community of people who have been so severely beaten down and prejudice against. God had me speak a message that God was willing to forgive and work with even bigots like Jonah. Jonah was not an easy nut to crack. How many of you remember that? Even when they repented, Jonah was ticked and he went off on his high and mighty little hill and God had to continue. Look at the patience of God with bigots. Isn't that interesting? And yet God has a heart for the oppressed. And God has a heart for the wealthy. Jonah is an amazing story. I should be preaching on that, but it's not what I'm supposed to. <laughs> it's an amazing story of the religious, of the wealthy, of the wicked, of the prejudiced. And God is patient with all of us, working it all together for repentance to come unto him. And so he's looking for an Amos who has heard the roar. And Amos, who will be faithful to preach because he's heard it and he must speak it. Have you heard the word of God? Anybody here heard the word of God for this day and this hour? Have you? Then you cannot but speak it. And the word of the Lord for this hour is repent. For the kingdom of God is here. It's no different than what Jesus preached. For we're under his command to go, make disciples, teaching them to obey. The kingdom of God is here. It's in our mouth. Let's speak it. So prophecy is given and we must be patient. We must work with people. And surely the sovereign Lord. I love this. In chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Amos says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Abraham said, I am a friend of God. And the prophets of God are his friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves or servants. I call you friends. For a servant does not know what his master will do. But I call you friends. Therefore, we'll know what Jesus is doing. We will understand what he's doing at this day, at this hour, for this community, for this culture, for these people round about us, for us. It's going to be different than what's going on on the other side of the state. It's going to be different than what's going on in Port Huron. It's different than what's going on in Ohio or Texas or California. But yet there'll be a flavor for the United States within it as well that we're a part of. There's a word here that we must have. We must hold it in our belly. Jeremiah had a word from the Lord. He didn't want to preach it. Couldn't take it anymore. Oh, man, this thing's burning me! It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I have to speak. It's time for the church to get a word from the Lord, and we have to speak. We can't remain silent anymore. We can't be concerned with just our lot. But we have a shepherd's heart. We have an Amos spirit. We're called out of the the common to be an uncommon prophet. 
And I believe God is calling us to do this. I believe he's bringing it to our hearts and our minds. Now, look at uh, verse 1. And we go to chapter 1 and we look at now verse 2. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Mount Carmel withers. What is he saying in that pronouncement and in that declaration? Again, he refers the lion, the judgment of God, the roar that is coming forth. And where does it come from? Mount Zion, the temple of God, the holy throne of the Lord. Zion was God's throne on the earth. Because it was the place where God dwelt among his people in the Holy of Holies. And from his dwelling presence, he will roar and bring a fire. Such a fire that it will destroy the pastures where the people are feeding and enjoying and having their time. To where Mount Carmel, which was a beautiful setting, lush in greenery, would be dried up. Judgment's coming. It's coming from the presence of God. Why does God refine? Why does God send fire? Somebody? Why does God send refining fire? To purify. To purify his church. Where does judgment start? With the people of God. That's why he's speaking to Israel. He's not just ticked that he wants to burn people up. He's got a reason for what he's doing. He's calling Israel to repentance. You're my light. You're my city on a hill. You're the reason to get the rest of the nations ready for Messiah. And I dwell in your midst and shine, but no one can see me because of your clutter. Do you know where Mount Zion is right now, brothers and sisters? Do you know where the throne of God is in the earth right now? In his temple? Somebody tell me where his temple is. Right here. God's going to put a burning fire in us. It's amazing. Now, if you read through Amos chapter 1, you will see something over and over. And what he is trying to speak to them about is justice. In chapter 5, 24, this is basically the theme of it at Amos. He says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. There is a movement in the spirit among the church today. It's a justice movement. God is calling his church to cry out for justice, to cry out against injustice, to stop slave trafficking, which has increased to enormous measures. Uh, the, The sex trafficking around the world and here in the United States to stop the abortion, to stop oppression. When you begin to look at God's judgment against Israel in the book of Amos, it's because of how people are treating people. And that message needs to be brought forth in our own communities, brothers and sisters. Be Amos's. Begin to shepherd your community with justice. Speak against injustice. Begin to speak righteousness. Because where there is no righteousness spoken, people will not have a measure to live. It's been proven that if people will be told what's right and wrong, it actually detours wrong. Oh, you'll always get people who will do wrong. 
But the masses, the majority of people, will follow what is preeminent as far as what is righteous in the land. And the church has given up its voice of righteousness, so now whatever's in the land is on TV and in the movies. And so that's what the average person lives up to. So it's up to us to begin to raise that righteous level, level again so that we can begin speaking. Speak into your communities. On Friday, we met with the city manager of Roseville, and as we met with him, we asked him, what is your number one issue here in Roseville that you have to contend with? He says, daily, I have to deal with phone calls of disputes between neighbors. It's not racial, it's not age discrimination, it's just people not getting along with people. Constant bickering, arguing, people to people. They can't even live, live neighborly lives. Can someone tell me we need a prophet of Amos to speak? That there is a fire coming, and we need to gather together so that we'll be ready for that fire. Now, if you will look entirely in the chapter of uh, Amos 1, you will see that God says, I'm sending a fire, and I'm sending a fire to correct he says this, I'm sending a fire on the walls of Damascus. He talks about the neighbors round about Israel. I'm sending a fire to Gaza. I'm sending a fire to Tyre. I'm sending a fire to Edom. I'm sending a fire to Ammon. I'm sending a fire to Moab. I'm sending a fire to Judah. What he's doing is saying this, I'm sending purifying fire to all the nations around you, Israel. Fire, I'm setting a fire, I'm setting a fire. You hear the words? The lion is roaring, I'm setting a fire. I hear the roar of the lion, sending a fire. I believe God's got that word. We're, in, we're getting a burning. There's a fire going on. Now, what happens to impurities in the fire? Rise to the top so they can be skimmed off. They're exposed. There's an exposing going on of all the injustices and exposing going on of that which is wrong and that which is evil. You'll see it in the papers. You'll read about it in the news. You'll wonder why. Again, another one exposed, evil exposed again and again and again because there's a fire coming. But I'll tell you what, it does no good to burn everything else up unless there's pure gold, pure, pure silver and precious stones. And that's the church of the Lord. We must begin to shine in the midst of this. Now, God is genius in how he deals with people. <laughs> because what he does is Amos begins to prophesy against all the wrongdoings of Egypt, Philistia, Phoenicia, Syria, Ammon, Moab, Edom, Judah. And uh, that's easy for Israel to agree with. Right? I have no problem showing everybody else's sin. Most of us don't have a problem with that. You know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? That's easy. And it's very easily detected, isn't it? But then someone comes along to you, and God says, hey, Israel, I'm talking to you next. And the rest of the book's about them. So he gathers their attention to understand that God is just and holy, and they like that, as long as he doesn't tread on them. And that is hypocrisy. 
And we, the church, are very guilty of that many times. And we are able to accuse and accuse and accuse and throw stones and, and this and that, but what about our own camp? Look at it. If justice is going to roll down like a river, righteousness has got to be lived. We can't speak about justice if we're unrighteous, can we? So God is calling us as a people. If you want to be a prophet, you've got to live the righteous life. Many of you say, I didn't sign up to be a prophet. Did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Anybody? Anybody? When you signed up, you have just signed up. If God put his Holy Spirit in you, you have just become a prophet. And that's salvation. You received that. Now he goes on and he begins to turn and speak to Israel. And in chapter 2, starting at verse 6, he says this. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Israel, even four, I will not turn back my wrath. Each of those nations, he said, and, and Amos is very poetic. For three sins, yet even four. He says this each time. It's a formula he uses. For three sins, even four sins, he says to each nation. Now he turns to Israel. And he said, I'm going to set you on fire. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They're selling people. Slaves for sandals, for silver. They trample on the heads of the poor as upon the dust of the ground, and they deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl, and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God they drink wine as taken as fines. I destroyed the Amorite before them. Though he was tall as the cedar and strong as the oaks, I destroyed his fruit above the roots below. I brought you out of Egypt and I led you 40 years in the desert to give you this land of the Amorites. I raised you up prophets from among your sons and Nazarites from among your young men. Is this not true, people of Israel? You see, he rehearses their history and says, all that I've done for you. America, all that I've done for you. I made you the land of the free, home of the brave. I gave you a government based on a Judeo-Christian ethic. I've prospered your land, yet you treat people as slaves. Yes. Yet you come against the poor. Yet you hoard and take well, your finance and your, your goods while others are oppressed. You turn away from the wickedness and evil in your own land. Children are aborted. Babies are killed. The elderly are discarded. Do you remember America? This nation needs a prophet. It needs the church. It doesn't need one man. It does not need one man. It needs the church, the body of Christ, under the spirit of Amos, to come forward and begin to speak. He said, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. We'll take your tax exemption away if you prophesy. Now then I'll crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape. The strong will not muster their strength. The warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand in the ground. The feet-footed soldier will not get away. And the horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. I'm bringing a fire. 
Now, anybody that preaches that sermon himself must be in a place of righteousness and must be shaking in his own boots. Because you must understand the holiness of our God. We can't be flippant. We have to have a shepherd's heart. And remember, prophecy is always given so that what the future is being spoken of, it can be changed because the prophetic word was a warning, just like Nineveh. It could change. America could change. It can change. If the church will rise up in the spirit of Amos and begin to say, I've heard the lions roar. You mock Christianity. You mock the Lord Jesus while he weeps over you and loves you. I don't want to condemn you. I want to call out to you, repent, for the kingdom is here. God loves you. Hear the lions roar and turn once again back to your God. Now that's how chapter 3 begins. And seven times, seven times, In the book of Amos, it says, listen, 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 as God focuses in on all the nations and then focuses in on Israel. He says, listen to me, Israel. And in Hebrew, that is Shema. Shema, O Israel. Shema, O Israel. Listen to what I am saying. A people will not repent unless they have heard from God. This nation will not repent until they hear from God. Are you getting me with this? Okay. They've heard the message of the gospel on all the airwaves. You know, we talk about preaching and teaching. The United States is saturated with it. Why is it having no impact? It's not that the lost have not heard it. They've heard it, but they've not heard the voice of God. They've not heard, thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord. And as Amos is preaching, he's saying, thus saith the Lord. To every nation, he says, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. He calls them out. It's a prophetic word. It's a prophetic unction. The people you live around, the people you walk around, they need to hear God. They don't need a canned answer. They don't need a pamphlet. They need a prophetic, living, breathing word coming out of your being. Thus saith the Lord for you. It's a people who are ready to walk under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's an Amos spirit that God is looking for. A people who are ready to be used as God is refining us, calling us with that spirit as a shepherd's heart to cultivate the fruit in this land once again. He's saying, put your hand to the plow. Be my Amos. Be my prophetic word this day. And let them hear, thus saith the Lord. given you a calling. I've given you a challenge. And I'm saying to you, thus saith the Lord. It is our day to be Amos under that anointing with a shepherd's heart for the people round about us to prune and to bear fruit and to warn them, I've heard the lions roar. And I'm warning you Can I care for you? Can I weep with you? Can I challenge you? Our God is holy. He's done so much for us. Can we not thank him for all he's done? Let's bow our heads.